Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, that's right. It's the Mole Patrol. It's the Mole Patrol season one finale here on Reality TV Rehab. So, everybody, I am Josh Wiggler, joined here by the great Jessica Lees in Brooklyn. Zed, Jess, happy bladed. Thank you very much, Josh. Um, so, I. I wanted to let you know up top, um, Zed and I have both been bitten by a snake and mm-hmm. you only have antivenom for one person. So you got to figure that shit out right away. Um, Zed, with apologies, I answered Jess for this one, but don't take it personally because I've just randomly gone back and forth between the two. Of uh, you God, it wasn't everything. all good things for Jess and no, all bad things no, for God, me. No, God, no, God, no, God, no. What kind of, that would be the, what kind of hideous test? What kind of a hideous uh, way of going about a test? Would that be? Hey, guess what? We finished watching season one of The Mole. There is the outside possibility that you are listening to this podcast and you don't realize that we were going to be taking down both episodes eight and nine of season one of The Mole in this same podcast, even though episode eight ended on a cliffhanger. And I would think that you would think that, yeah, they're going to probably watch the finale where they reveal the winner in The Mole as well. Maybe you didn't think that. Maybe you thought that you had an extra week for that. You don't. You're in the podcast. You're in the episode where we're going to tell you who the mole is. We're going to tell you who the winner is. I know. I now know. I am aware of the season one things. I know nothing beyond season one, and we're not going to spoil anything beyond season one, but season one, fully spoilable. Get out of here if you don't know what's going on. Leave this place if you have not watched both episodes eight and nine, because it's about to go down. How is that as a spoiler warning? Good? Seems seems to cover it. I think. Do you think that's pretty comprehensive? Just for people to like, like pull over, and be like, "Oh my god, I gotta hit stop on the thing." Or do you think they're still like fishing their phones out of their pockets? Should we just like more filibuster? 
If you don't know where the mole is, it's time to go. You got to go. Rip your earbuds out of your ears if you have to. Grab your bags. Anderson will help you. Fling your device across the room. Yeah. Because (laughs) we're about to tell you who the mole is. It's going to happen in five, four, three, two, one, zero. I was right. <laughs> right. Robin, the Robin, entire Robin, rest Robin. of the podcast is just going to be Josh gloating. <laughs> He's just spinning in a circle, hearing himself. Wiggler. <laughs> Josh Wiggler got the bull. Josh Wiggler got the bull. Josh Wiggler just got a babe text from Emily Fox. We did it. <laughs> I think we need to celebrate. It was Catherine. I got it. We need to celebrate the true unsung hero of this podcast, Emily Fox. Yeah, for abiding the the 18 podcasts I do a week. Uh, It was Catherine. I knew it was her. I had an instinct. I intuited (laughs) that it was Catherine from the beginning, and I never let go. I knew it was you. I knew it was you this entire time, Catherine. You were so suspicious. I was going into the van for the watch thing to see if I could find the clues. I knew it was you. It was Catherine. Catherine was the mole the entire time. So and cool. Uh, that's it. the podcast that I'm very proud of myself and I'm ready to go. You yeah, clocked it in episode two. Good night, folks. Yeah. Is that when I clocked it? When did I clock it? When did, did Very you, early. either of you remember how this happened? Annoyingly early. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, okay, are you sure you want to lock that in, Josh? Maybe you want to keep watching? Maybe there's something you're no, missing? No. Yeah. Are you paying close enough attention? All these there might years, be someone else. All these years of 24 fandom, uh, you know, and 24 really trains you to keep an eye out for who's the mole. I got this. This is my game, I guess. Like, uh, one for one. I should retire. We're not going to watch any further seasons of The Mole. This will be it. We'll just call it in. Uh, uh, no no need. No need to further show off my chops. You'd be severely depriving yourself. I know. Yeah. I will definitely watch Particularly excellent episode of television. Well, the, the thing is, is like, even, like I, I felt fairly locked in to Catherine for basically the whole season, and like, that was not that maybe the surprise of the mole for me was that that was not the joy of the mole was like trying to track the mole like the joy of the mole was like watching these people screw up challenges watching their incredible interpersonal interactions really anderson cooper i am worried for the show once anderson cooper is gone um but those were the things it was like it was it was like that it was the atmosphere it was like the moments of like kate showing up with green hair and a ball and chain and two casts like there was just like a lot of uh, like surprise levity and ingenuity to the show that was such uh, a wonder to behold that uh, having properly identified the mole very early on is just the cherry on top. But like, I, I wasn't really spending a ton of time like saying like, who, which one of you is the mole, which one of you is the mole. That was not as interesting to me as all like the character stuff. Um, but I don't know, I guess, I guess for both of you, like what can you say about watch rewatching this season of the show, knowing that it's Catherine the whole time. Like, are, were there things that you picked up along the way, Zed, on a rewatch that maybe you hadn't seen on a first watch? I'm sure I did. You know, the first watch and the rewatch are so far apart in years. In case you haven't heard, the show is 20 years old. Yes, so. <laughs> uh, and watching it as an adult versus watching it as a child is obviously a very different thing. 
Um, and I think that's really the biggest difference for me is not even so much watching, knowing who it is, but almost to what you're saying about the character stuff is seeing these people in a new light in the context of 2020. Um, Believe it or not, I wasn't yelling about the police 24-7 when I was 10 years old. I'm, Picked that I up a little don't, later in life. Don't, don't believe it. Only a little bit later, <laughs> but a little bit later in life than 10 years old. Um, so, yeah, it's it's coming back to these people and seeing how the show has aged over time more than it is watching Catherine specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jess, what was the experience like for, for you now that you can speak to it in a way that you don't have to walk around anything? You can just talk about it straight on. Well, it's funny. There was at least one clue that I spotted on a rewatch that like in episode one, they and they talk about this in the reunion where the the scene where everybody has to repack their bags and Anderson holds up the duffel bag with Catherine on it. I was like, oh, there's a clue. I saw the clue. And I went back and looked it up and there was another moment, which Zed and I discussed at great length in our spoilerific feedback podcast, um, where I had been reading what the clues were. And at a certain point in one of the episodes, I had said something about paying the price. Mm-hmm. And I this wondered. is not a, yeah, this, yeah, this is not a thing that any of us would have clocked because like who sits there and knows anybody's last name. Like we knew Jim's because it's Morrison and that's hilarious, but couldn't tell you anybody else's last name. This was supposed head, to be, no, and I yeah. wouldn't have even known Catherine. But like, I mean, like if I had been a fan of this show at the time, I would have known. Like if I'd been a fan of the show oh, at the absolutely. time, like I would have known yeah. like every detail about these people. I can tell you the last names of everybody in the season one Survivor cast, yeah, for exactly. example. Yeah. yeah, it's it was kind of the same thing, I think. But they also didn't really lean into it that hard, and it wasn't. But I had just read that and I came on to the podcast and I said something about paying the price and sort of incepted you into saying it inadvertently. And then I, was, I think one of our listeners was like, oh, God, I wonder if she's like planted in his head that Catherine's a bull. It's like, no, that idea was already there. It's already like there. Day one. Uh, but I do not remember how early I clocked that Catherine was the bull. It was much later than you did on my yeah, first watch. On your first um, watch. But. It was probably, I want to say it was like episode five or six. That was my horse I was on. The thing I think is really interesting is that we have the experience of having watched, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of reality TV among the three of us. And we can look at shows and kind of pick things out in the editing and we can probably spot things in the story that other people might not. But at the time that this came out and they show it on the screen at the reunion, like it, all three of the final three, there was a significant portion of the viewing audience that thought that person was the mole. Right. Uh, it was almost evenly split. Yeah. I, I, I wrote it down. Let me see if I can, if I can pull up what the exact split was. Um, yeah, I think it's so 29% thought that Jim was the mole. Thirty-four percent thought Catherine was the mole, and thirty-seven percent thought Stephen was the mole. Yeah. Self-loathing mole. People were really rooting for that narrative. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, so was I by the end. I was like, "Oh, that's great! I really hope." <laughs> it's it's a great it's a great narrative, but well, and even among the cast, when they're polled right before the reveal, I don't think anybody gets the combination of both the mole nope. and the winner correct no one got it no one got it. yeah i have that broken down so uh manual believed that Catherine was the mole but jim was the winner 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Afi believed that Jim was the winner, but Steve was the mole. Both Wendy and Henry thought that Steve was the mole and Catherine was the winner. Jennifer says, you're all wrong. My buddy Jim is the mole. Steven <laughs> took the money. Um, Kate says Steven's the mole and Jim won. And Charlie, Catherine is the mole, for sure. Catherine is definitely the mole. Uh, but he thought that Jim was the winner. Um, so nobody got it right. Yeah. Nobody got it right that Steven was going to be going to be the guy. And I, I will say that that was the big shock to me in the finale. The big shock to me in the finale was um, Jim getting eliminated. Mm-hmm. That that was a real surprise to me when he got red thumbed. Um, and then I then I thought maybe at that point that it would be Catherine had won and Stephen was the mole. And I don't know if fairly or unfairly, uh, but you know, for a lot of this up to the very end, I've kind of just looked at Steven as sort of like a big hearted dummy dum dum. Uh, and that like, you know, he, he never really struck me as like the, the big strategy brain. Uh, and I think it's only until like towards the end that they really start to emphasize this idea that Jim and Steve had this coalition and, and Catherine was a part of it to some degree. Um, but the, but I think if there's a failing of the show structurally, I think like it's hard to articulate that story maybe, or they haven't like cracked how to articulate that kind of a story, um, especially if it was going to end in success. If like Jim and, and Steve were going to like kind of like Steven and JT their way to the end of the mole for lack of a better reference point. Um, but I didn't think that it would be Steven. And then like when they then stress how like Steven got in Jim's head for the final quiz, like that was, you know, fairly smart of incepting this idea of I'm just going to go as fast as I can because that's the tiebreaker. You know, there's a lot of like breaking of the game and breaking of production that goes down in this, even with like Kate saying that she started suspecting Catherine because she would always get a room that was close to the lobby at the hotels so that that would make it easier for production to go and meet <laughs> with, with Catherine. That's mm-hmm. probably accurate. And like yeah. the fact that that made it to air, I was shocked that that made it to air during the finale. Because if that's real, that would be a production secret that I think that they they'd want to keep close to the vest, but they won't. You know, I can't imagine that they'd be able to do that again. Um, or if they do, that might be part of the reason why this is a relatively short lived show. Um, so I, I was really surprised that Stephen was the winner. I was really surprised that Stephen was able to outmatch Jim. I wasn't surprised that Catherine was the mole. I was really surprised with the outcome of that final two. Can either of you speak to like what was the reaction to the outcome of season one at the time? Or even well, historically what people seem to think of it? I honestly, I looked a little bit like I was on the message boards for whatever thing preceded television without pity at the time. And I think there were just a lot of people trying to, I told you so about it. (laughs) Most of whom didn't really actually know. Um, I don't think anybody was treating it like a huge shocker. Yeah. But I think, and I think we were all kind of thirsty for that sort of fourth wall breaking stuff at the time. We wanted to know how the sausage was made. And now I think we're a little bit jaded about that stuff. But this was a show that kind of continually peeled back the curtain. Like we got to see, you know, the open production notebook. We got to see Charlie try to peek in the production <laughs> van. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is stuff I know happens. Like there are rumors of this happening on every other show that we have collectively covered or watched. But they're they, rumors, but they're real. Yeah, like I'm sure at least some of the stories of people like 
stealing uh, food off the craft services table, etc. These are things that really happened. But this is the show that let you know, oh, yeah, he totally tried to peek in the production van. And, oh, we, we're going to show you the room, like how we set up the confessionals. And I thought that was a really it's a really bold choice. Yeah, I so I'm 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 thinking about that because I, I love all of that stuff. I'm thinking about something that our mutual friend AJ Mass told me at the start of this journey. AJ said to me that the mole is like the game that he would most want to play, but he thinks that maybe the show suffers a little bit. And I I see the point from a game perspective. Um because I I think I think it can be really hard to articulate some of that production stuff in a way that makes like narrative coherence across across the across the course of the season. And I wonder if like a fix for that is do you have like production cast members? Do you know what I mean? Like are there like actual like cast like do you do you know who like the elite special forces team was that was part of like the 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 paintball uh like mm. portrait thing. And are those same four people like four producers that you're following as characters over the course of the season, having clandestine meetings with like the mole in like the shadows of, of something so that like you can, you can be involved in that from a narrative perspective. Cause I do feel like maybe you're left out of that process to a certain degree that might be, I don't know, like detrimental feels like a harsh way. Cause I, I really loved this ride and I love the season. I'm excited to watch more. Um, but I think in terms of like, because this is a show where production production wonkiness is is not only exploitable but kind of encouraged to be exploited and the exploitation becomes part of like the show's on-screen language i wonder if you want to have like characters from production being a part of the show is that does any of that make sense or is that a ridiculous suggestion it makes sense. It's a weird thought. I don't think it's one that any iteration of the mole that I've heard of has ever tried. But I think maybe part of the mole's problem with storytelling is the fact that nobody you ever see on screen knows who the mole is. And they try to keep it in this bubble. And there are times where like, we don't get to know how Steven's strategy unfolds because nobody on screen knows who the mole is and he can't reveal that he has figured it out or how he has figured it out or who anybody thinks is the mole until the very end. And I think that's a hard story to tell. I think it would be something that would have some value maybe after you've seen it through one time, yeah. like sort of this sort of genius thing where you watch it happen and then they go back and they show you how it happened, uh, which is something I know we've spoken about before. And I think they must have done something sort of similar to this. Uh, remember when there was a Fox reality channel? And yeah, they you would remind show, us every week. Do I? <laughs> do I really? Yeah. Um, and they, the Fox reality channel would show like a marathon of a show and then they would, they would get cast members from that show to like speak before the commercial breaks about here's what happens point. And they weren't terribly careful about spoiling things that happened in future episodes. And I feel like that's maybe some way to do it like let everybody watch it all the way through once and then you can go back we needed more than just one episode yeah and we've had we, listeners we suggest commentary this. yeah yeah maybe, maybe yeah. like the the bonus 
like the full bonus mole episode. It's like the full season completely rooted in the mole's perspective. Yeah. This yeah. came up on our feedback show that we did already where uh, we suggested we need like the full Amazon x-ray treatment where you can click on things and it shows you like at, at this point, Charlie went to Steven and told him who the mole was. And then this is the between night three and night four is when Jim and Steven formed their coalition. And mm-hmm. I want to hear how that all unrolled and then like click on the Click on the guys coming out of the helicopter. Oh, this is the executive <laughs> producer. This is this guy's the alternate key grip. And that that could be a little bit more fun, I think. Yeah. For now, I'll set I'll settle for there being uh the mole on Amazon. Period. I, I'd go for that. It's been two up there because the versions we get are too grainy. I keep looking in shopping for, for the mole season two on my Google <sighs> tab and it doesn't show up. It's nowhere. Yeah. I can't get it. And I thought about buying the season one DVDs about three episodes into this process, but then they're not in high def, so they're not any better than what we There's got. Really no point. There's really no point. Um, yeah, I I think like in my mind, I don't know. Are either of you into like the Great British Bake Off by any yes. chance? Well, I'm not. Well, so you know they they have like it's not like hosted by just one person. They have like two people mm-hmm. who are sort of like the MCs and they've got the two judges. So it's sort of like a four headed beast. I think like if you're not going to have Anderson Cooper or somebody of that Anderson Cooper uh, level, I think that there could be something interesting to that. If the mole were ever to be reconceived that you have basically like a mole patrol, like you have the team that the mole is working with. Um, as like people that you get to follow each and every episode. It's like Top Chef, where like you have Padma and Tom and Gail, like um, you know, any other reality show that that has like the or season one of American Idol, where they had that guy that wasn't Seacrest. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, like that. You yeah, know, like, that. Uh, like <laughs> I, I think I think you know, characters are always good in yeah. a, in a spy story too. Especially. I do wonder what happens when you bring someone into the story who definitely knows the answer to the riddle. Yeah, and you let him interact with the other people on the show. I think that creates a problem. Like, I do not know if either of you. I, I'm sure everybody has seen it at this point. If you've seen Knives Out, yeah. Their storytelling Spoiler alert if we're yeah. forgetting. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to reveal okay. everything, but there's a character in Knives Out who they demonstrate is incapable of telling a lie. And so that is how you navigate your way through this morass of people telling different lies, because, you know, this one person absolutely cannot be the murderer because she's already said she's not the murderer. And. I mean, that's it's way more complicated than that. But you know that everything she says, you can take at face value. Right. And I and it does make the structure of the story a little tighter and a little easier to follow. But I wonder if putting that into our spy story, if you have one person that has all the secrets, that makes it harder for the players, I think. And it also I don't know if it makes it it's going to make it less satisfying for the viewer. Um, I think one thing that that's tricky that about the show for the for the for this final episode is that we we go into it with Steve and Catherine and Jim and those are the three and Jim wavers a little bit I guess is what we're told eventually but like Steve and Jim are really locked in on Catherine they're like me 
You know, they they don't suspect they don't suspect anybody else. So they think that it's Catherine. And so now the the finale has like sort of this awkward job. And Catherine, frankly, has this sort of awkward job of like pretending that Catherine's not the mole. So I feel like I, I don't I don't know what the fix for that would have been. But like I did I did feel like, you know, so, sort of structurally in in retrospect, maybe uh, an unenviable task for like the story structure of of the finale. Although I guess like in hindsight, there is sort of this tension of we come to learn, you know, when Catherine is unmasked and Catherine is the mole that like she wasn't like a self-loathing mole, but being a mole was tough. It's tough. And like a lot of like the strain and the tension that she was feeling was all like really genuine. And she talks about how like, uh, you know, like we, we see that like she had like right before that final test, like she was like, this is just too much. This is too much of the producers having to like break down that wall being like, you were great. You were great. Everything's great. Um, I don't know. I, I think that that's, that's tricky though. I, th- I think when you find yourself in a final three situation where two people are locked and, and, and loaded on neither of them being the mole, and they both agree on the same person. I think that that just might make it ever so slightly challenging in terms of the the presentation of the thing. That's just that's just one person's opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I think it's something that it's a flaw in the machine that I don't know if the mole ever fully figures this out. I know we're already people are furiously typing like someone that has seen all 59 international editions <laughs> be like well you know in the mole in the mole Estonia mm-hmm. the mole figured out like the production figured out how to do it they ran for 93 episodes and that mole figured out how to do confessionals right right to the camera with production cast involved in the whole thing and we figured it all out and it told the story perfectly and I don't know why you guys aren't covering the Molestonia next. <laughs> and then uh, someone else is now firing up their keyboard and being like, actually there was Molestonia. Molestonia. Or somebody else is saying, actually there was and I don't think it's fair of you to disparage it with inaccurate information. Look, I did all your emailing for you. So we don't need a feedback show. Hold it back. Well, we are going to have a feedback show worth noting. Uh, yes, we, will we, have, we will have a, a, a jam-packed uh, season one wrap-up. We're going to skip next week. We will bring the podcast back to you on September 22nd, which I believe is the, is it the 20 year anniversary of, of when the, 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 the mole, the molings. When they took off from that desert in California after jumping out of a plane. Appropriate timing. That'll be the season one finale here on reality TV wrap ups. And we're going to take a, we're going to pause down before we get to season two. Lots of stuff popping on post-show recaps, especially. So just for my sanity's sake, uh, probably a good idea to to take a minute before we go into season two. But we are definitely going to go into season two. Just a question of when, not if. Um, let's talk about some specifics from the finale. You know, we don't have to go totally beat by beat by beat uh, now that there isn't a mystery to track so much. But I do <laughs> want to talk about the tests. Uh, yeah. So the, the tests for this, for this episode, uh, the first one is like, so along the way, we've been asking you the execution test and there have been like some sort of offensive questions and some weird questions. And now we're going to do a test that is all about the weird offensive things that this is going to be designed to hurt your feelings. So this is like slam book in the final three it is, uh, as, as Catherine will call it, a hideous test, uh, a really, really crappy one. I don't, I don't know what you do here. Part of me does think that what Steve does which is just like zigzag, Jim Catherine, Jim Catherine, Jim Catherine, 
it's just like the right thing to do if you want to preserve your friendships. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's the conundrum. Do you want to win the money or do you want to preserve your friendships? Is there a good strategy here? I mean, I guess like you do just like have to like try and get it as close to accurate as possible. I mean, I don't, I don't know that like Jim's strategy of like, well, Steven's married and you're just engaged. So you're likelier to cheat. Like, I don't know that I'd follow that line. Uh, I just don't know that there's a good way to win this one other than just like try and predict your fellow neighbor as accurately as possible. I really feel like the more you um, the more you try to explain yourself on this one, the worse it gets. <laughs> and we see this play out a couple of different times, yeah. like when they're talking about the, who you'd want to spend their last day on Earth with. Like, oh, do you want someone who'll make you laugh or someone you can have sex with? It's like. Oh, I guess it's an either or scenario here. Everyone's <laughs> going to be thinking about having sex on their last day of on Earth or <laughs> I don't know. That was that one got weird. And yeah. I, I liked that that Catherine pretty much shut it down and was like, oh, you guys, you guys did fine. That yeah, explanation, we'll, just, we'll just carry that. Yeah, we'll hang on to that. That's good. You did it. Uh, yeah. Very, very awkward. And some of these were were fairly innocuous. Who would cheat and look at their own birthday presents, whatever? Who's least likely to pick up the tab in the restaurant? It's kind of funny. Like, which one of these guys is cheap? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Who would pay for the shrimp ring and who would not? Um, uh, who? Th- this was a cruel one. Is Who would have fewer people at, at their, their funeral? funeral? Truly yeah. a hideous question that even the mole cannot abide. Catherine is very thumbs down on that. Um, what they don't tell you is Charlie wrote all these questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I kind of wish that Charlie was in this final three just to see how he would have interacted with any. I also would have loved to have seen Charlie in the escape room in the dark one. The dark room especially would have been amazing. Get back on the bike. Can't see. Uh so they they get it for Catherine, they get it for Jim, they do not get it for Steve because Steve zigzagged. And I love like again like the nonchalance of Steve being, you know, I just uh I just went, I alternated Jim Catherine, Jim Catherine, Jim Catherine randomly. Here's a hot take. You ready? Here's a take. Yep. We talk about what would have happened with Survivor if Richard Hatch had not won. Right? Uh, this was a this was a conversation that happened in the Rob has a podcast universe relatively recently as we mm-hmm. marked the 20 year anniversary of the Survivor Borneo finale. Would Survivor have endured to 40 seasons and maybe counting? Um, that's a good question. Richard Hatch was the game bot. And like, even though he was not like the heroic victory, he was the one that made the game interesting. And I think beyond that, he was probably viewed as more like electric television than someone like Kelly Wigglesworth, who is not viewed that way, I think. Um, So the show endures with the Richard win. Would the mole still be on if Jim won instead of Steve is my question. Well, to answer this question, Without going into the winners, because I have a very strong theory of why the mole did not 
survive for longer. That's a spoilerific reason? It's not terribly spoilerific. Enough that you'd withhold it from me. For no, it doesn't have anything to do with the content of the show in point of fact. Um, there's kind of two factions, there's kind of two out, outside circumstances at play that contribute to the mole not surviving more because I think it probably would have done okay. Um, but to address your first point, I don't know. I think I want to say that they were giving Jim the winner's edit because they wanted you to think that we were going toward another Richard Hatch moment. Interesting. Interesting. I think they were very much copying the storytelling style of the first season of Survivor. And there were so many things pulled into this show that they yanked directly from Survivor that make me think they were relying on us to have Survivor in the back of our minds as we were watching it. I think, honestly, it hurts the show if Jim wins with all of that in mind. I think if it's too much like the trajectory of Survivor, we don't get that differentiation. I don't even know that we necessarily, we might get picked up for that second season. I don't yeah. know that it goes much further than that. Interesting. Zed, your thoughts? Um, that's probably right. I definitely agree that, you know, a show that started filming a month after Survivor finished airing its first season was inevitably going to be influenced by their storytelling style. And everybody can see the parallels between Richard Hatch and his playing style and his, and the way that he is edited as a narrator um, and Jim having a very similar essence, shall we say on the mole Um I don't know if the second factor Jess is going to bring up is 9-11, but that's certainly something people have brought up uh, because the second season, I think, was about to start airing or had just started airing. It had started airing. Like there had been a few episodes and then they yanked it off the air Interesting. for about six months and then dropped it all. Uh, I think it would have been. I think it was would have been summer of 2002 when the rest of it got burned off and then there's kind of two things though there's 9-11 is one of the things like people just weren't interested in watching a show about espionage after 9-11 I don't know why Um, and then the other thing was Anderson Cooper was kind of not about the host life he was a serious journalist before he was picked for the mole and he it boosted his profile. He was on an upward trajectory, certainly before he did the mole, but then he was much more well-known after that was able to kind of slip right back into journalism. A uh, year after that, he is, he is a very strong presence on both CNN and, and ABC. And he's really never gone away. Yeah. He was a list anchor. Once he went back to reporting after that, and he was not going to do a Jeff Probst or a Phil Kogan. He was, he was in for two seasons max and then he wanted to go back to his grown up job. Yeah. So I think Andy Coop sticks around. That might be a different story about I the success agree. of the mole. I think they certainly got competent hosts for subsequent iterations of the mole, but they really never captured the lightning in a bottle that was Andy Coop's. Like you could tell that guy was going to be a star. That, yeah, that's hard to match. He's Anderson Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he is the elite tier. Uh, you know, like that's not even probes. Like he's Anderson Cooper. 
Yeah. Well, I, and then I think also the shift after the second season to a celebrity season so immediately before the show is really established uh, also did not help things. That's, uh, something that, that's like a move that reeks of ratings desperation. Of desperation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they knew they didn't have Andy Coops. They had to have something. So they thought, oh, well, we're going to want to see Kathy Griffin and Corbin Burnson. And it it was something I think if we were the UK, it would have taken off like a rocket. Like UK mm-hmm. loves their C-list celebrities competing on reality shows, but uh, they've tried a few times to make that transition across the pond and it's never really happened. I think Americans like it too, but I but I think after after like a uh, they know uh, they like the thing. Yeah, they like the yeah. format after they've seen a bunch of civilians go through the crucible for a bit, you know, and then I, I think that they're interested. But it's it's well, telling that Survivor's never done it. Uh, it took Big Brother forever to do a celebrity version. Either that or it comes out of the can with celebrities in it. Yeah. Like if you don't have, there were a few times like they tried to make a clone of Survivor that had celebrities in it. It was called I'm a Celebrity. I'm a celebrity. Get me out yes. here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it doesn't show up on your reality show quiz because it's known. <laughs> it's yeah. one I've actually heard of. So of course, <laughs> but you certainly we've seen formats like Dancing with the Stars and Masked Singer, where we've never had people that are like you know normies with the not stars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Dancing with the normal people that don't know how to dance is not a good format. Yeah. So I think we're we either we want our celebrities to be in a totally separate realm. So let's talk about the final test for the finale, which is this three-headed escape room. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while, watching it blaring in my head were these wise words from AJ Mass of like, this would be the show that I'd want to compete on, but maybe harder to watch because it was occurring to me like, this is the final test is like this escape room. And they're just like clearly bungling it. And like, they're not going to be able to do it. And, uh, so Catherine has the room and like, it's hard to like keep track of like every single thing that she's gotten there other than the bike. The bike is pretty clear as a prop. Steven has the suitcase and Jim's just stuck in the dark. Uh, and like, it's fun every once in a while to see like the black light coming on and everything that's written in Jim's room. Um, but then like Catherine being frosted out of the calls and like, she's the one who finally is able to get out. Uh, Cause she's able to see the, the September 22nd uh, number on, on the van. Um, but they are not able to get anybody out. Like they have like the music sheet, you know, play the xylophone, but what are we going to do? And it all ended up being like completely, totally worth like the 10 minutes or so that it took to get to Catherine getting to Anderson Cooper and Anderson Cooper being like, so you want to know how this was supposed to go? And then we have like this three minute package of all of this bullshit that we had no idea was even remotely <laughs> in play for it. Here's all the things you didn't find. It was spent a lot of time setting this up. Okay. So funny. Such a misfire for the show. That must have sucked really hard for the people making the show because they absolutely killed in the wrong way the final test. And even Catherine, who is the mole tells us like yeah i wanted them to win this one i wanted them to get seventy five thousand dollars. we're here we may as well like these are my friends i want one of them to have this much more money but no one can pull their shit together no one can figure it out 
It is ironic that the best showing in this task comes from the actual mole. The literal mole! (laughs) And the baffling thing to me, too, is like, getting out of that room wasn't difficult. You had binoculars. What do you think you're supposed to do with binoculars? Look out the window. And that's all it takes to get out of that room. Is you look out the window, you see those numbers, and you put those numbers into the door, and you're out the door. That's done. That one's not complicated at all. And yet it's still... I understand she can't immediately solve that problem and get out the door, but it still felt like she could have done it sooner than she did. Given that the boys were just on the phone the whole time. This is, I was wanted to talk about why were the boys on the phone the whole time. And something just occurred to me. Do you think maybe Jim and Steve were icing her out because they're like, anything Catherine tells us, we can't trust it. Yeah. Anything she tells us is not going to be useful. Yes, for sure. 100%. I was thinking that as well. Um, I also think, though, from a production design, maybe they designed it so that Catherine gets out first because she has she's the one who has to get out first in order for the other two to be able to get out. Um, that they do that so she can like camp out in front of one of their rooms so that they really only have to have one person on on the call uh, because she could just like talk to Steve through the door, Jim through the door while Jim and Steve are on the phone together. Um, right. But maybe they should have. Catherine being the mole, maybe they should have told Catherine, like, all right, give it five minutes, but this is how you get out of your room. If you want. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep it pushing. You gotta get moving. They clearly didn't tell her a lot on this one because, like, she could have just, like, gone down and told them about the package for Juan Carlos. uh, Yeah. King of Spain. Uh, you could have just come on down and done that and you would have gotten all these boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and one of those boxes would have had the key like this should have been done in like 10 minutes like this escape room was escapable inside of a solid 10 minutes I feel like like what would the, what would the time be on it let's let's try and like what would the perfect execution of this test Jess so it starts Catherine sees binoculars, looks out. She's got the code for her door. She's out the door inside of a minute. You want to call that a minute? I guess, but she had to, there's a lot of other stuff that you'd have to presume that the binoculars are the very first thing she grabs. And how do they find out about Juan Carlos? How do they get the name? It's one of That's, the names on Jim's all right. wall. Yeah. On his, many wands. Yeah, on his bleach wall, like inside the hatch. Yeah, in the, it is the hatch. The question mark. Yeah. Yeah. It's the blast door map. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess Catherine would have had to use the bicycle in order yeah. to. Yeah. So this she, if she gets out, she's not going to use the bicycle. So there's, yeah. it is a pretty well crafted thing in that there's a couple of different things you have to do in each room to get the pieces that you need to get the people out of the other rooms. Yeah. And, we got to remember this is before escape rooms were a thing. I don't think there were any escape rooms at the time. This might be the first escape room. I think somebody we, wrote in and asked yeah. us, is this the invention of the escape room? Where's Kurt Clark when we need him? He could come Great on the show because it's already been canceled. Could, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know from Kurt, the, the history of the escape room and, and does it start here with, with the mole? Um, it's really cool in principle. I think it, it, plays a little awkwardly on on screen but it really is worth it for the you have failed uh sequence <laughs> it's uh, true I, with like I the did... goofy dodo music and like the mary had a little lamb like it is really 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 funny they paid for that arrangement they're gonna use it in the <laughs> ground yeah. i yeah. did sort of think 
that they should have incorporated things from maybe it's just like too survivory of me. And having just also seen the tough as nails finale that did this, they should have incorporated things into the escape room that called back to things they had already done. Like yeah. the end of the amazing race. Right. Very yeah. much like the end of the amazing race. Like, you know, maybe Steven's door code, he has a mask of a lamb inside. Like maybe he needs to put the combination seven, five, one into something, or they need to pick out, uh, they need to like pick out a heart made out of oranges out of a book or something right, right, right. like something stupid that they've done on one of the other challenges. They uh, have kind of tied it all together a little bit more because this was hideously complicated, especially Anderson walking them through it. Kind of like, Hey, you idiots. So if you'd known to do this, <laughs> then you would have done this and you should have gone down to the front desk and asked for this. Uh, and I don't know how you didn't get that. That's so great. What it else is- in your room has to do with this thing that I just handed you that we just found. Yeah, oh, the Mary had a little lamb. Oh, yeah, that's right. what, do you, what do you think you do with that? Yeah. I did like that Jim just kind of sat there and randomly played it without any provocation and it opened his door. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, yeah. man. So they screwed it up. They had a chance for, for $75,000. They had a chance for, I think, $105,000 for the finale and they yeah. added 20000 bucks. Good job, guys. You did it. <laughs> you did great. You did great. Um, so those are the tests. The final dinner uh, appears to be just like a plate of delicious looking tomatoes in honor of Jessica Lee's. Jessica, <laughs> you. So it's, it's all for me. Yeah, a bunch of sliced tomatoes. Is like, all what I kind of see. tomatoes are, that, are yeah, those? Yeah, the, for, the, for the tomato queen, Jessica Lee's. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it. I mean, like they, they have it's execution time and they go into the big bullfighting ring. Oh, did I say that's it? How are we not supposed to talk about Steven's huge ass parachute pants? What is he wearing? So many pleats. <laughs> Those are the hugest pleats for days. Like he's like got like a full wingsuit in there, like in case they have like a huge like high powered fan that they're gonna secretly blow everybody out of the bull arena for. He's like, I'm ready. I'm good. This was the style of the times. My people like God. Puffy clothing. He's got yeah. late nineties. He's got those frosted tips. Everything. He's got those frosted tips. He's got those parachute pants. He's looking fresh, Stephen. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is a guy who knows he's he's this. He has the confidence of a winner for sure. This is back when you'd tuck in your shirt, but then you'd like pull it out a little yeah, bit, so. balloon it a little bit over the yeah. waistline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was ready to go. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, the shot of like the three of them walking in as Anderson Cooper is telling us there are only three left. And like, uh, he's like giving us like his very serious straight faced spiel, which he's normally giving us when there's no one else present. So I really buy it from him there, but I, I can't help but think of the Anderson Cooper, the legendary giggle. And -hmm. like, I can't help but think that like how many different like stops and resets of that they had to do as like Steven and Catherine and Jim are doing like their Michael Bay Armageddon walk into the <laughs> arena. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the things I think that makes Anderson succeed as a host is that he really is hanging out with them the whole time. He's not above them. Yeah, it's and so fun. Yeah, we get that moment like when Catherine has her breakdown and he's right there. Right. And you've seen you've seen other reality hosts try to do that. 
like sort of, oh, they're there. I understand this is bothering you. And Anderson's like right in there. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, he's having a hard time here. Like everybody's doing their serious walk and he's given them the spiel. And he's like, he's like, you know, you all must take this test. And, you know, whoever gets a red thumbprint will be eliminated. And, you know, he's having a hard time keeping it together. Oh, we'll okay. never see each other again. Never see each yes. other again. Yeah. Again. So they have to take the test. They go take the test, and then that's the end of night one of the two-night season finale of The Mole. Can I just add one more thing about this scene? Mm-hmm. that It has actually been bugging me all season. <laughs> I, I really hate that this you know, 2000 era laptop is sitting on this desk and they still have the power cord running underneath the desk <laughs> as if the battery is not going to last long enough and shoot, it's got to yeah. be connected. I, I guess it was the height of technology. You can't Bluetooth it at the time, but it <laughs> really bugs it me. TV screen. Yeah. yeah, it really bugs me like all the cords hanging off the table. In the middle of the, you know. And I'm surprised they didn't like <laughs> zoom out to the giant extension cord extending all the way back to the locker rooms at the arena. Yeah. Bit of an eyesore. A little bit yeah. a little bit hard to look at. It's problematic. Uh, Alright, so the way they do the finale is they bake it into the reunion show, which I, I don't know that I hate. I don't know that I love. I don't know what would be better. Um, but it begins with Charlie Charlie's mea culpa. Uh, Charlie with the most sincere apology. Uh <laughs> Uh, Charlie with the I'm sorry they showed that on TV. Yes, and that is, I had that is like literally what he apologizes for. He's like, I can't believe you showed it. So now I have to say I'm sorry. By the way, Kate, you're a knockout. Oh my God, do not tell Bernadette I've said this, but she, she looks, looks just like guy. Bernadette. Don't, don't show this on TV. Don't show this part on television, <laughs> Anderson Cooper. Don't you tell. What does he say? I uh, I lost my temper on one occasion. Uh, I used some uh, inappropriate uh, verbiage. Verbiage. <laughs> tells Kate, you were a good trooper. Yeah. I, that was a, I guess they had to start it off that way, but it was hard to watch. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the same sentiment as when he makes the fruity comment and then Jim comes down and he says, oh, I didn't know you could hear me, essentially. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry like, you heard that. Yeah, it's like sorry how you I behave, yeah. you know, in yes. public versus how you behave in private. Except he seems to think I'm sorry I said this in front of a camera, Charlie. Oh my god! So did this um, did this reunion air immediately after? I think it was the, the next day. The next day. Yeah, the next like, day. Yeah. They Come say back like tomorrow to yeah. find out. Yeah, Tune yeah, in yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, so yeah, so they run down the list of like who thinks who won, who thinks who's the mole. Uh, Everybody's wrong. Everyone's wrong. There's a funny moment where uh, before they like throw it to uh, commercial, Anderson Cooper mentions like, did any of you try to pretend to be the mole? And like a few people start like chiming in. And, like you hear like manual in the background, like yeah, me remember back in the first round, and then like it cuts. <laughs> <laughs> like, it cuts early. It's like shut up back there. Hey, who's that? I don't even remember you. Uh, so I thought that was funny. Poor Manuel. Uh, Justice for Manuel. Uh, we get the highlights of suspicious moments from along the way. So the suspicious moments, like there's a lot of suspicion with the dice game. Uh, I th- with Catherine, I actually thought that they built the weakest case. 
Uh, like she insisted on making calls to Cartier for more about the watch. Okay, stalling for time. Story checks out. Uh, and then they go, and Catherine refused her assignment in the dice game. Like, yeah, I think that like she made it pretty clear why she's getting married. She's not going to shave her head. It's not a thing she wants to do. Like that feels like a totally acceptable thing. Like of the three things, because everybody got three bullet points. I thought that like they had the the weakest third point for for Catherine. Um, I guess like she missed the intruder was was the other one. Um, Steven's case for him being the mole. Uh, again, like they kept leaning on the dice assignment for all of them. Um, but Steven bombing the three questions by answering randomly. I have to admit that um, this was the most I was thrown off in the finale where I thought like, OK, so Steven's the mole and he is the self-loathing mole. And he's just gotten like actively <laughs> bad at his job. You know, they uh, had a challenge very similar to this challenge many years later on amazing race season 11 yeah 11 the all-star season the final one of the final challenges was the three teams had to answer a bunch of questions about each other and then if their answers matched they'd get the code to unlock a safe and if they didn't match they'd have to keep going back and answering it again and it really felt like after a certain point you should just answer all the questions the same way so that you could sync up and I think this harkens back to the Steven strategy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like just don't even worry about what your actual answers are. Answer something that people can find a pattern in. So funny. Anyway, yeah. It's so- ridiculous. But I, I think that might be the most moly he ever was. Although I feel like they could have leaned more in this segment on here's all the times that the people on the show screwed up yes. and look how bad they were at this task. <laughs> Only a mole would be this bad. What a moron. That. I would have loved that. You're like, either the mole or you're an idiot. Hans Molman getting hit by football like for all yes. of these different characters in the mole. Like, I would <laughs> yeah. really, I really Let's relive your most embarrassing <laughs> moments on the mole. Uh, so Jim is victim number eight. I was really surprised by this. Uh, and then Steven winning and then Catherine coming out. I was like, all right, wait. Got him. You got him. You you lined it up. You knew. It was intuition the whole time. You had Catherine from day one. You stayed with her right until the end. You knew. I well, wish I Josh, remembered why I picked Catherine. We're gonna have to have somebody uh, go back and report go back on and, and why listen. exactly. But Josh, I, think I will I tell you it earlier, but I I don't remember. I don't remember. I was so (laughs) you say a lot of things. Podcast brain means I don't remember anything I say from week to week. Yeah. Yep. But I, I think an interesting, got to remember what I was about to tell you. Oh, the Jim edit was so strong that I honestly, when we started podcasting about this, I went in thinking I remembered that Jim had won. Yeah. Is how how much of that story feels like it's his story. So I learned later on because I wasn't going to be immune from spoilers from that point, because there's no point for me to be unspoiled. (laughs) I realized my mistake pretty early on, but it was weird to me that that was kind of, I'd sort of overwritten in my head what I thought the ending should have been. They give him the last word, Jess, like he gets the last Mm -hmm. word of the season. Uh, like at the very end, they're like, so what are your advice? What's your advice to future the future mole? And Catherine gives the advice of show no mercy and like swear in your mother's grave that you're not the mole. Like if someone asks you to swear, like you got to swear. And then Anderson throws it to Jim. Jim is Anderson Cooper's go to guy to put it in. <laughs> uh, 
he throws it to Jim and Jim's like, yeah, show no mercy. It's whether you're playing Monopoly or poker or the mole, show no mercy, show no mercy. Like the Cobra Kai of it all is, I think, the last three words uh, any of the players say on the mole other than Anderson Cooper saying, uh, be good to yourselves and each other at the end or whatever it is he says. Uh, Keep your feet on the ground and your hands, your off, hands off, off the table. The table. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can totally understand that because at a certain point to me, it really felt like Jim's the winner. Like that, I felt almost like really ironclad and that Jim was going to make it all the way to the top. Um, and so I was really surprised in the finale. That was the biggest surprise of the whole finale for me was seeing Jim get the red thumb. Um, I think I, I would have probably been more surprised if he was the mole. Because uh, it was, it just would have been so obvious. But that's also how obvious his his winner edit was, uh, and so for the the show to kind of veer away from that uh, was was interesting to me. Um, so they show some of the things that like Catherine did along the way. She like lied in her journal. She wrote in her journal as a player. Um, she so like she would waste time. When there were opportunities to waste time, that seems like good strategy. With the dice game, so she like basically made it so that she was going to be asked whether or not she would shave her head. Yeah, that got worked out with production somehow. Yeah. So she was able to do that. With the sniper one, she's like, I just got sniped quick. Didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, with the resourceful one, I thought this was funny. She's like, I knew the truck would break down and I knew that Steve would waste a lot of times, but but I had no idea that Steve would be as absolutely stupid as he was. <laughs> I like that a lot of mole strategy just hinges on like, finding what other people are bad at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get out of other people's way. Yeah, let them do the moling up. for you. Yeah, the fortress, she's like, I wanted to be in the center because that was the easiest place to screw everything up. And I told them, don't put me in the center. I'll screw it up. And they put me in the center and I screwed it up. <laughs> like I told them. Um, the that is, art- that's an interesting part, though, where she points out, like, by then I knew some people were on to me. So I figured they wouldn't listen to what I said. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can't just count on reverse psychology to work in all circumstances. But knowing that people aren't trusting her by that point, I think it's smart to have done it that way. The art test, she wanted as much junk in there as possible because she knew that everything was like kind of like lean. So she's like, the more shit, the better. <laughs> Good that plan. was basically what gave them away. Yeah, yep. for sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, for the, for, the, for, for the axe or the knife or whatever, that was like genuine fear. She genuinely passed out, which was horrible. <laughs> Like yeah, that was authentic. And then the ho- the hotel rooms, the escape rooms. She's like, I wanted us to win. <laughs> I wanted them to have the money, and they didn't do it. The idiots. Uh, and then so there's the hidden clues. And Anderson Cooper never knew. But so, do we really count it as a clue that the duffel bag he had was Catherine's? Did production like hand him that like unknown? Oh unknown yeah, Anderson. Okay, I'm Got sure it. production was just like, yeah, hold this one up. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Anderson was like, oh, it says Catherine. She must be the mole. Here, this one was really thin. Zed was during the, the Cartier watch challenge. Catherine had too much info. I think we should just pull the trigger on this one. Let's rewind. No one ever says that. that. I think we should pull the trigger. Let's rewind. Like, like, yeah. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Pull I, the I trigger. can't wait. 
<laughs> I can't wait for Josh to see some of the season two clo- clues because they make the season one clues look pretty obvious. <laughs> I, I told you, they give you these clues that are so obvious. Uh, yeah. Like, how could you miss it? Yeah. There's four letters in the word mole. <laughs> they four love that. It's the magic yeah. number. Uh, Catherine was the fourth person to arrive. And the paid the price one is the one that slays me because, like, yes. who knows? Henry paid the price. Yeah. That's something nobody ever says either. They say it earlier in the finale, too. I'm trying to, uh, yeah. So when, um, like, Catherine is really upset about the hideous test, uh, Anderson closes that out with a narration that says, victory came at a price. Like, how, many, <laughs> how many times did they, did they rock that throughout the throughout Yeah. The well, and this was something I said to Jess in our spoiler cast last week, too, was that, sure, there are these things that they point out to you as so obvious, but if you start looking for those kinds of things, you can absolutely come up with a whole list of why it points to Jim as the mole or all these things that Stephen did and, like, hidden clues that lead to Stephen. Um, it could yep. just as obviously prove they showed parachutes in episode one and Stephen <laughs> wore parachute pants. Exactly. So I get annoyed yes. that they're like, yes, these clues and only these clues uh, are correct. Dumb. Pretty dumb. Yeah. Nah, whatever. It was, it's super funny when they were like, did you catch our hidden clues? And then they tell us the hidden clues. I'm like, <laughs> this is it. This is what you had. Yep. We were supposed to figure it out from yeah, that. And they only get worse. Yeah, that's funny. That's great. That's something to look forward to. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's effectively the mole. Is there anything else from the the finale that either of you want to want to touch on? I loved it. What a what a ride. What a great time. It, it, and, and season two is more fun than season one. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Cast I'll, is better. Um, I don't know. This is a great cast. This is a great there, cast. There are some winners in season two, but I think the joy of season two is more that they really like Anderson is loosey goosey the whole time. He gives zero F's about it. Like he knows he's doing two seasons of the mole and no further seasons. <laughs> like I'm out. This is my yeah. one more shrimp ring for the road. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, so like it's Anderson non on the baguette all the time yeah <laughs> all right well yeah, we'll on the baguette at some yes, point down the we line. will we will chew the baguette and yeah. the fat about this yeah. and i did want to say that i recall watching the show watching season one back in the day and being on to Catherine probably midway through the series and kind of having my my suspicions cemented at a certain point but i realized i can't talk to you about what rationale i had for that because I employed the exact same rationale okay. at season two and oh. was a hundred percent right. Okay, so cool. um, we'll, we we'll, cannot talk about it. Will that apply during uh, seasons past season two? No, cool. I don't believe so. I look forward to that. Then I look forward to that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's season one. Do we? Have, do we have? Do we have game? Answer. Of course, of course, we have a game. We have a game. Do we, we not have a game? Have a game. All right, and just that- to, to reset before the game, we'll be back. We're not done talking about season one. We'll have the feedback show. We'll have the mole offs. Uh, if you still want to record those, you can send that our way. Mole Patrol at Rob has a website dot com. Uh, make sure you get all your feedback and anything you want us to talk about generally, whether it's about the mole or it's about uh, ranking the food items that were consumed over the course of the mole season one. You'll just have to remind me what was eaten. 
the weird meat sandwich. Serious gray sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guess number one spot ceremoniously. Um, all right. To you, Jess, what, what, what do we got? What are you going to put? I wanted to. Yeah. Before we get to the games, I just want to say that thanks to this season long odyssey through the food of the mole, <laughs> I cooked my own birthday dinner last night and made Spanish food. Ooh. I had like Basque chorizo and I, I did like a marinated skirt steak, which is really more of an Latin American thing. But you had to get the, the gray meat in though. Yeah, there it, it was pretty gray. Yeah. Um, actually, it was delicious. Everything was delicious. We had uh, croquetas. And croquetas. yes, and I actually found croquetas. I didn't make them from scratch. Wow, ain't nobody got time for that. But um, that was kind of amazing to me. We had some Spanish wine. It was it was a good time. Um, and a unicorn cake. Yes, unicorn, unicorn cake, cake. Not Spanish, but <laughs> it, it it was very fun. How big um, was it? it? It's like Can a. Can you pantomime it for me? Can you pantomime it? It is. It was yeah. like, okay. yeah, it's not huge. Not huge, not huge. Okay, no. so we only had yeah. for dinner. We had nine for dinner, so it was not. But anyway, yes. Yeah, leftovers, so, or did it just get crushed? Oh, so many leftovers. No, the so, cake specifically. Yeah, so many leftovers of cake. <laughs> like everybody had a tiny piece and some ice cream, and did not make a dent in the cake, oh, and it was not a big cake, so. Too bad we're not in New York. You can over. Okay. I know. I, was gonna, I want unicorn cake. I wasn't gonna be rude and invite myself over, but no, I, I'd mail you some. It wouldn't be as good. No, <laughs> no, probably not. No. Okay. So game time. Game time. This is our final installment of the game. Uh, I'm gonna have to come up with a different game whenever we get around mm-hmm. to season two, and we have a diff- slightly different variation on this game uh, that has been submitted by a listener that we will play next week. Okay. Um, but for this week, it is the same game. We're expanding to four questions this week just because I had four really good ones left. <laughs> Let's do it. And we have some post-production we need to do on this that I've outlined to you previously. Um, so let's get to it. We've got for every one of these questions, I'm going to give you the description of four reality shows of the early aughts uh, with their network, the year and a description of the premise. And your job is to figure out which one of these four is the fake. Yes. Yes, which so, we have excelled at so we're much. Adding five hundred, and then I think we're under that now. Yeah, slightly under five hundred, but that's uh, okay. Uh, it's just a testament to the skills of my team. Look, yes. I got Catherine. I'm good. Yeah, I think I think you got the big prize, I and got this the is big just prize. let's just see <laughs> if I can. This is the cherry on top of the unicorn cake. Yes, the maraschino just, cherry. As it were. just the gravy on top of the unicorn cake. Yes. yes. Gross. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we have done 22 of these over the course oh of the goodness. season, and we are on question number 23. Zed, you know what would be a funny game is if Jess asked us the questions again. I don't know if I would get them right. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we would do any better than we did the first time. We get some honest. of them. I think so, but so I don't like think the I'd get them. The finale quiz going all the way back <laughs> yeah. to the beginning. I don't think I'd get them. <laughs> You'd get some of them. You'd get like the Saved by the Bell one, or you'd sure, get the yeah, one about yeah. the chimp. Yeah. Or um, yeah. Maybe. I, I recall you had a certain amount of scorn for uh, Plum Crazy. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You'd do better than you think, but and that let's see how. Not real. Yeah, I, I wish it was. Um, but I think you're going to do okay on these, although okay. I they're just very fun, and okay. I'm excited to bring them to you. Okay, all right, let's do it. I'm ready. 
Yeah, I had four good ones. I couldn't pick. I couldn't pick one to reject. So we're doing all four. Okay. Question number twenty-three: Dating shows that have aged okay, but are still super weird. Okay. <laughs> so we have from two thousand four on TBS. We have Outback Jack. The premise is 12 single women arrive at a mansion thinking they are about to compete for the hand of a hot single guy a la The Bachelor, only to be immediately whisked off to the Australian outback, where there is indeed a hot single guy, but the accommodations and challenges are far more rustic than anticipated. That's an incredible thing. (laughs) Outback Jack, I definitely thought was going to be like an outback sponsored like steakhouse challenge. Yeah, the Bloom and Onion Challenge is just glorious. Yeah. All right, we have Can't Judge a Book, 2006 on Fox. A dozen single ladies think the handsome man they're competing to win dates with is a lowly librarian. But in fact, he is the millionaire owner of a major publishing house. Oh, they get a book deal? Oh, a lowly librarian. Hating on yeah, librarians. Yeah. I don't, you have to have a master's for that. It's no small thing to be a librarian. It's a a hard job. Yeah. All right. Remember the Dewey Decimal System? Remember I talked about that? (laughs) Look, I'm Team Library of Congress for life, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Our third option. I want to date a race car driver. This is 2004 on the Speed Channel. Racing fans compete for an opportunity to win a date with various eligible racing stars. What channel was this on in what year? Speed. 2004. Speed. It was a channel all about racing. Yeah. The channel is real. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And finally, in 2008 on the CW channel, we have Farmer Wants a Wife. Twelve single women milk cows, drive tractors, and chase chickens in the hope of impressing Matt, a 29-year-old farmer who's looking for true love. Classic Matt. That sounds like Matt. Classic Matt. Classic Matt. <laughs> that does sound like Matt. I believe that to be real. I think that is real. I think but, the librarian one is not. A librarian because, like, who's just secretly like, a publisher? You, like, don't judge a book. And, like, yeah, like, is that enough of a hook for a show? Where, like, the challenge is, like, library themed? <laughs> I believe so. Was it, like, a literary show? Sure, there was a trivia contest at some it's point. All like the carriage test. And what on channel the mall was that on? Where they're running year? around finding books. That was on Fox. On what year? 2006. 2006, don't judge a book about librarians who are secretly book publishers. <laughs> I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see, like, how that, like... That is the surprise. Were we that desperate for, like, reality dating shows at this point that we were, like, pimping out publishers? Well, you had Joe Millionaire, so maybe this is, like, reverse Joe Millionaire. Yes. (laughs) Reverse Joe Millionaire. Did the contestants know that they were on a show called Don't Judge a Book? I'm sure they did not. I don't think they ever tell people what these shows are called. Outback Jack probably wasn't. Yeah, they didn't say. They didn't say yeah. Outback Jack comes. But at a certain mansion. point, once again, to bring it back to Tool Academy, you know, like the 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 logo exploded that said Tool Academy, but they were hooked into the show at first. You know, once they were there, there's there there's really no escaping. Although I'm sure people quit. I expect some people quit. 
No, because they want to be famous. I'm sure they didn't quit. Some people chose to hang up their coats in the armoire. Um, I don't know. My instinct says the librarian one. I, but I'm, I agree with you. What was the first one was? Oh, Outback the first Jack. one was Outback Jack. Yeah, Outback Jack. And then date my race car driver. And then what was the last one? Jess? Farmer wants a wife. Farmer wants a wife. That's classic, Matt. Real. That's legit. That's real. Matt, Matt, Matt was right. Um, I'm going to say the, don't judge a book. Let's judge it. Okay. Final answer? Final answer. All right. Well, you're off to a good start because Yay! that is correct. Um, this, this show description comes from AJ Mass, and I will tell AJ that that one's not quite ready to be shipped off to production. Yeah, that one um, needs work. I mean, but I do have some, yeah. I do have some interesting trivia about Outback Jack. The winner of that show did indeed go on to marry the titular Outback Jack, and the two of them are still together as of 2020. Oh, that's so nice. Really I think that's lovely. I think that's lovely, too. I mean, yeah. I think you go to the Australian Outback and like get embarrassed on television under like those circumstances. Maybe that helps. Yeah, somebody... Somebody probably got humiliated and got fired from their job for saying something insensitive. And but true love blossomed in the outback, like a blooming onion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the other piece of trivia I have from this set is that um, I want to date a race car driver was yanked from the air after one episode when racing fans said that this cheapened them. <laughs> That's hysterical. I have thoughts that I'm holding back. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, NASCAR is doing pretty well this year. Yeah. And who knew? Who knows? So, so yeah. Um, we're gonna go on to question number twenty-four, and this category is called "I wish this show had done better than." No oh, god. <laughs> Literally most television programs? Literally every television program. I wish Fat March had done better. <laughs> oh. oh god. Oh. You know I do too actually. I do too. Okay. All right. Okay. So first up, we have 50 Cent, The Money and the Power, which aired in 2008 on MTV. 14 aspiring rap moguls compete for a $100,000 grant from host 50 Cent, who judged the program with help from G-Unit members, as well as guest judges like LL Cool J and Aubrey O'Day. Okay. We have The Assistant, which aired in 2004 on MTV. 12 contestants competed in a variety of challenges and were eliminated one by one in elaborate ceremonies designed to mimic popular reality shows like Survivor, The Bachelor, and The Amazing Race. The prize, a chance to become personal assistant to Andy Dick, who also served as host. God, that's the most American thing I've ever heard of. Sounds like you lose either way. <sighs> yeah. So then we have Easy Street, which aired in 2008 on CNBC. In this series, which is a spinoff of host Jim Cramer's flagship show, Mad Money, 14 contestants are given $5,000 per episode to invest in the stock market. The contestant whose money performed the most poorly each week was eliminated. Okay. And finally, The Benefactor, which aired in 2004 on ABC. Nine months after the debut of the aspiring entrepreneurs competed in challenges devised by host Mark Cuban for a chance to win a million dollars of allegedly his money. Hmm. I mean, he's no Ben Stein. <laughs> There's another show I wish had done better than this. 
Right. I Even am, though Ben Stein is himself problematic. Yeah. I am, I am torn between the assistant, mm-hmm. the Andy Dick one, and Easy Street. And the reason why I suspect Easy Street could be a mole is I wouldn't put it past Jess to be deliberately earworming me with Easy Street from The Walking Dead. Which is <laughs> That's your rationale? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a very annoying song that plays multiple times on The Walking Dead and it is, it is a hideous song. I've got Easy Street from Annie stuck in my head so I can't help you. <laughs> um... I could have been trying to earworm Zed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possible. Possible. I don't know. I feel like even in 2004, they had to know that making someone Andy Dick's assistant on television was a bad call. What network was that? MTV, apparently. And that so was the Fitty Show. That screams MTV, though. It does. It does. I feel like the 50 Cent one is real. I think I have like vague, vague recollection of that. that. And the benefactor, right? That's the Mark that could Cuban be a fake one. Too. That could be a fake also. Yeah, I don't know. That name sounds familiar to me, but that name could be literally anything. I would, I would throw a dart at one of the middle two, at the assistant or Easy Street. I don't know which one. I'm going to say Easy Street. All right, I'll back your play. Okay. Final answer. Finally, all right. right. Well, you're two for two. Wow! Yeah. It's only really because it's and it feels so sweet. Because <laughs> the world is something, something down on Easy Street. street. Yeah. I I gotta be honest. I think I could have pulled that one past you if I'd come up with a better street pun. Yeah. And I, but I was scrambling to come up with the name of the fake show as we were starting to record the podcast. And <laughs> I went with minimum effort. It was either that or life on the street. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that has been the name of a show before. So no, but the walking dead incepted you as well as me. Yeah. It was either the walking dead or Annie. Yeah. And at this point, anything is possible. Yeah. Thankfully it's ending in quotes. Yes. Well, I don't think these things ever really die. No, they really don't. Can the undead ever die? Need the head shot. Back to bite us. We haven't shot the head yet. Hasn't happened. All right. So, question number twenty-five. Our theme is class warfare. So that's gonna be fun. (laughs) Already. (laughs) Yep. Proceed. (laughs) And there's probably some more jokes to be made in here. Oh no! No. But all right. So we have survival of the richest which aired in 2006 on the WB. Seven rich kids with a combined net worth of $3 billion are paired up with seven poor kids with combined debt of $150,000 and compelled to compete in challenges that simulate various low-paying jobs. Yeah. 2000 what? 2006. Hmm. Okay. Pre-recession. Yeah, right on the edge. Right on the bubble, if you will. Right on the bubble, yeah. So 2005 on CBS, we had a show called The Will and uh, friends and family of a wealthy rancher still living, by the way, compete for the right to inherit his ranch. Yikes. <laughs> They're still waiting. Yeah. Just going to have to. <laughs> Any day now. 
any day now. I think you do automatically get disqualified if you murder the guy. Yeah, I expect so. I would expect that killing is frowned on. Yeah, it's slightly frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then we have uh, the rebel billionaire Richard Branson's Quest for the Best, which aired in 2004 (laughs) on Fox. Through challenges that equally test entrepreneurial spirit and physical prowess, Richard Branson seeks to determine who has what it takes to be the next president of Virgin. <laughs> and finally, wait, can you just do that one again? Uh, <laughs> what what was the year and where did it air? And two thousand four on Fox. Through challenges that equally test entrepreneurial spirit and physical prowess, Richard Branson seeks to determine who has what it takes to be the next president of Virgin. And so the prize was to become the president of Virgin? Yes. And while the winner was a well-established businessman in his own right, I do not believe he actually ever ended up working for Virgin. Okay. Kind of the same way. I don't think anybody on that other show ended up actually working for that guy. Okay. 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 All right. So then finally, we have Banquet Bluff, which aired in 2005 on the CW. Twenty strangers are invited to an upscale dinner party at a lavish mansion. Among them are four people from working class backgrounds who can win cash prizes if they avoid detection. Sniff out the poor people. Sniff out the poor people. Yikes. I hope it's that or survival of the richest. I think Survival of the Richest might be real. That was 2006. Um, yeah, like, is it gauche at that point? I mean, yes, but like, do they know that it's gauche? <laughs> do they know yet that that is a horrible thing? Um, maybe not. Um, I, want- <laughs> I don't understand why. The Richard Branson one is so lived in. It feels very. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me why we why you would be competing in physical challenges to become the president of a company. Because it's Richard Branson's company. Because yeah, he's insane. Because <laughs> he's insane. Yeah. Like, why do you do anything to win a job with anyone on any show? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I am out of touch with so much of the premise of any of these reality mm-hmm. shows that I just can't. I don't know. Hard to imagine. Um, man. Uh, what was the will again? <laughs> uh, friends and family of a wealthy rancher, still living, by the way, compete for the right to inherit his ranch. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't. <laughs> you don't, I don't think, think so? I don't think so. Is that one the fake? Yeah, I think the will is the fake. All right, Zed, are you co-signing that? I have no strong feelings, so let's go with that one. All right. Streak's over, guys. That one's real. Uh, 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 The one that is fake is Banquet Bluff, which uh, the premise came from DJ LaBelle Klein. And I changed the, the name that he provided. I thought it needed some more alliteration, but... I think it's probably would play as gauche if it aired now. I picked the will because I don't believe in the goodness of the world. And so I thought that probably the bad ones on the bookends were true. Yeah. Josh, did you believe in the goodness of the world in 2005? Maybe. 
depends on when in 2005. No, 2005, I was... Uh, After Bush had been reelected? Yeah, no, I don't think yeah. so. I don't think so. No. Yeah, I probably not. So. I believed in, like, buffalo chicken pizza from Sabaro's down the street from my dorm oh. room. And that was it. Yeah. I know. That's right? a really yeah, specific I, choice. It, it was well, a very specific choice. That especially considering... Yeah. yeah, considering the pizza person we're talking to here. In Syracuse, yeah. New York, beggars can't be choosers. Fair. All right, we have one final no question. No to Acropolis or Cosmos. <laughs> there was a great two. Varsity was fine. I, I, although shade implied because you could have gone there and you could have supported your local business owners and instead you know, shade is not implied. It is a reflection of my at the time undiagnosed anxiety that I went to the Sabaros that was literally across the street. So the closest place won. Okay. Fair. Tends to be my rule. The strict <laughs> radius of how far am I willing to go for anything? It's how how far away from the safety of the home am I willing to go? This has tracked me my whole life. Yeah. All right. I hear that. I feel shame. The shame tastes like buffalo chicken pizza <laughs> from Sparrows. <laughs> All right. We have I also one. got the zingers from KFC. This is a zinger wrap. It's like a crunch wrap. It was good. Fan of the crunch wrap. That was basically my sophomore year diet. Yikes. How are great. you still alive? I have questions about that. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about that. Okay, I have one more Ooh. question for you. Okay. And this is just kind of the catch-all category. Um, and the catch-all category is called Shows I Wish We're Still On Because They Sound Amazing. Okay. Great. So First up, we got Noah's LARP, which <laughs> I'll pause. Incredible. Incredible. Yes. So, Wait for Josh to finish. Pun. It's, it's like not a pun. It's not even a pun, it's Josh. It's nothing like art. But like, I know exactly what it is. Anyway. Yeah, no, we do. You, we don't even have to read you the description, but I will. Please do. Because please that's the game. Is there a two by two part? And I respect the game. Uh, this aired in 2003 on the G4 network. Delve into the wild world of wizards and wonder as professional live action role play expert Noah Cousins hosts epic battles and how to tips on hosting your own LARP. Hell yeah. I wish that was. I still wish that was on too. I wish that was still on too. Yeah. Maybe G4 is coming back, right? Maybe Noah's LARP can make a comeback. Maybe. Yeah. 2002 so, was peak. Lord of the Rings, Harry yes. Potter movie. Oh, yeah. Truth. Truth. They knew their market. Good call, Zed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. We have, from in 2009 on MTV, we had The Phone. Teams of two are directed to answer a mysterious phone that directs them on an espionage-tinged quest. Oh. Losing teams are said to have died, and their deaths are simulated in various creative ways, such as plane crashing, mauled by dogs, or bitten by snakes. Oh my goodness. What? That's so aggressive. What do you Pretty mean aggressive. simulated? Like, <laughs> special effects. Like fall into the lava? Yeah, fall into the lava? Kinda, yeah, kind of. But that's when you just fall into an orange body of water. How do you simulate all of the creative... Like close is it up an on a, animated, close up on snake attacking the camera, and then eliminated contestant instructed to fall over and converse. <laughs> That's how I would do it. That's so funny. 
I think every reality show should eliminate its contestants by pretending they died. Okay. (laughs) That's my hot take. Okay. Yes. Okay. For everyone. Yes. All right. We have unanimous 2006 on Fox. Nine strangers are locked in a bunker and told they cannot leave until they unanimously decide to award a large cash prize to one person. Periodically, they'll vote. If the vote is unanimous, the game is over. If the vote is not unanimous, the game continues and money is deducted from the prize. Wow, what a nightmare. Different cast every episode or one cast the whole season? I believe it was one cast the whole season. Okay. And it went on as long as it had to. Okay. I'm finally enough meetings like that. I can't imagine that being compelling. <laughs> People get eliminated on the show? Um, I think you can quit the show. Uh-huh. Okay. Otherwise, you stick around forever. Yeah. Otherwise, you stick around forever. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. over a dwindling money pot. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, there's nothing more American than that, Zed. Yeah, that too. Yep, You're not yep, wrong. Yep. yep. Yeah. And finally, we have Robot Combat League, which aired on Sci-Fi in 2013. Teams of two, usually one athlete or fighter and one person versed in technology or engineering, control eight-foot-tall fighting robots as they compete head-to-head. That, I believe, is real. real. Yeah, That I remember. Um, I think unanimous is fake. I think so. I don't know how you make that interesting. Well, that and... Uh, that like you cannot bank on if if it's one cast for the whole season you can't bank on it being longer than an episode and you also can't bank on it being like shorter than four hundred episodes you know like right. uh, I think that I think that it's a cool premise but it feels like it needs some kinks worked out which could be why it's not on anymore. Right. Um, pulled after one episode and or there was only one episode. So what was the second one? Yeah. What was the second one? Was the yeah. phone? That was the one where people, people oh, fake yeah. died. Yeah, people fake died. Well, Noah's LARP is definitely real. I think so, given the timing. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to take that guess. That's a good that that's good intel. That's like okay. PLTR. Yeah. If there's something I know, it's Harry Potter yeah. year by two thousand. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I would I would pick unanimous. Okay, are we both that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to call DJ Labelle Klein and tell him that he needs to get in a time machine, go back to 2003, and sell Noah's LARP to a network because oh, wow, wow. Is wow, yeah, Noah's LARP's a hit. That's good. Yeah, that's it's gold. Noah's LARP is gold. Yeah, I didn't question that one for a second. <laughs> so I can give you a little more intel on Unanimous, yes. if you would like. Yeah. So the show was open-ended, and they said, like, as soon as they reach a unanimous vote, they're going to be, they're just going to end the show. And Wild. if, yeah, if the contest goes on long enough, they run out of money because they keep cutting the money in half over right. time. Um, oh, and- exponentially. Yeah, at two points, they had to vote to get rid of somebody from the game. Uh, and then the rest of the time, they had to they had to come to a consensus, and they eventually did. Um, it aired from March 22nd to May 10th, and I think they had eight episodes. Okay. So, brutal. All right. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Noah's LARP uh, is just waiting. Yeah, I think I would rather watch Noah's LARP. And also, different versions of Unanimous aired in seven different countries. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And there was a version, the version in Russia, 
was called Who Does Not Want to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. In Soviet Russia, you do not want to be a millionaire. Yeah, no, uh, communism. Unbelievable. Wonderful. Great communism. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, we win some, we lose some. What a good time. I feel like it's a good representation of our performance across the season that we split the difference here in this final episode. Yeah. It was good that you had four questions to go 50 50. Mm-hmm. Well, our ratio would have been better if it was just the three, huh? Depends Probably. On which yeah. I guess it depends on which three. Yeah. Which one would you have cut if you had to? If you had to have cut one of them? Probably the last one because it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Although the two in the middle were kind of um, similar in theme. There was a lot. There were a lot of clones of that show. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a lot of trash on television so still a lot of trash yeah yeah i kind of said i kind of don't know if i said there was a lot of trash or there is a lot there's like there was (laughs) a lot of trash a lot of trash always exists in every point in the time recycle your shows people yeah i i do remember i the place i was working at the time i had this coworker. he was kind of my work husband and we watched every terrible reality show collectively and he came into the office one day and he was kind of depressed and he said I need to look at my life choices because I watched a show on Fox last night called The Littlest Groom and now I feel really dirty. <laughs> oh, no. oh God. And we wonder why we are where we are. Um, you know what's not trash is the mole. This is not been, trash. Best show of 2020. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. The best show of 2020. The show is over. The podcast will continue. We have one more podcast to to dole out and then we're going to go on a break uh, Yadis, I believe is what they say around these parts, around these parts. <laughs> um, plenty happening on post show recaps Lost Podcast the Lovecraft Country Podcast the listen to Lovecraft Country watch the, the show and listen to the podcast it is the best the everything is super podcast uh, we are launching a pen 15 podcast <gasps> I love days, that show. Uh, with with the great Emily Fox and myself and our mutual friend Lee McLaren making her podcast debut, which uh, we are going to be recording in about an hour and twenty eight minutes. Wait, wait is there are there is there a new season of Pen Fifteen or are you new just doing season, rewatch? New season coming out September eighteenth. Seven episodes on September eighteenth. We'll do one a week. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, I one a week of Pen Fifteen is all I can handle because it's so cringe. It's very cringe. It's because we're that age. Uh huh. It's very painful to watch. And you are closer to that age. So, yes, I think it, you know, it takes place in 2000 and they're in seventh grade. So I was, uh, I would have been ninth grade. Ninth grade, grade, I think. Yeah. It's used a little younger than me, but it's still very, very cringe. Painful. The very the funniest thing that happened when I was watching 1015 is I texted my best friend. And like on episode, I'd watched the whole series and I said, hey, there's a moment in this series that reminded me so strongly of us that I think you have to go back and watch this show. And <laughs> she goes and she watches the episode and then she she texts me. She's like, this is that night that I went over and stayed overnight at your house in the middle of the week and we pretended we were family. And I'm like, dude, you're not to that episode yet. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think the Pen15 podcast, which we are loosely calling Pen15 Pals, 
it's it strikes me that we will probably just spend the vast majority of it uh, cringing at our own memories, mm-hmm. especially because Emily and Lee went to high school together. So a lot of dirt's going to come out. Should be a fun time. I think it'll be good. It's going to be a fun podcast. So that's coming out. We're going to have a preview show coming up on Sunday. Uh, so check all of that out on post-show recaps. Uh, Jess, Tough as Nails has just ended. Tough as Nails has just ended, but all of the episodes are still available to be streamed on CBS All Access. And if that's something you have access to, and I assume that everybody listening to our podcast network does because they all watch the feeds of that other show. Uh, I highly recommend it. It was the surprise hit of the summer. Really surprisingly excellent. And our podcasting really never got better or more processy because the host of Tough as Nails, the one and only Phil Kogan, listened to our podcast and said, hey, can I join you? And then he just kept showing up. So (laughs) I still cannot believe this is a thing that happened in 2020. And we spent so much time talking to Phil and getting all of the little intricate nitty gritty details of what went into the show like that. And it really helped enhance our enjoyment of it. So you can go back and rewatch that and listen to our podcasts and be delighted and surprised along with us. Awesome. Uh, Zed, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Climbing mountains, moving mountains. Climbing walls indoors. Uh, Yeah, not too much new going on over here. Um, I may be making an appearance on another podcast sometime in the near future, but that's not confirmed yet, so I can't yet discuss. Uh, um, We'll just just drop that in there for now. Um, But you know where to find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, if you want to chat about things hard rock hope maker hattie round mm-hmm. howard put an at in front of those names and that's how you'll find us on the social media i like You're that this around. is this is the club for podcasters that didn't use their their full names in their oh, podcasting true. handles yeah and i feel like i'm okay continuing to have my to have my Twitter handle the way it is because Josh has continued to have his be the well, way Well, I would pick up at Josh Wiggler if I could, but some bot has been squatting on that and only following Selena Gomez for a very long time. <laughs> and no, when, sure, I worked, some bot. when I work, when I worked at MTV, I added this person and said, hi, I see you like Selena Gomez. I work at MTV. Perhaps we can make a deal. <laughs> right? And I never re- heard back. So... That ship sailed. Round Howard it is. So that's where you can find me. We'll be back September 22nd with our final Mole Season 1 podcast. And then at some point in the future, we will have Season 2. Until then, everybody. Will from America. Take us out. Now be your Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.